Yes, team. Good evening. You joined me in the hotel office. A um, little bit austere, but it'll do. I think it looks fine. Uh, I'm set up in the room, but here we go. When we go through these things, we improvise, we adapt, we overcome. And I just hope that the internet does not cut out. It shouldn't do, but I hope it doesn't. We are here. It's half past seven. It's Wednesday. Welcome, everybody. If you're watching this on replay, which you probably are, I'm just going to keep talking now until we get people to join. Um, but welcome. Wednesdays will always be an open office. In fact, every call, Wednesdays and Fridays, will be open office, which means that bring your questions to me. Anything about your coaching, anything about it. Instead of sending me private messages, jump on here and ask me. The only reason I'm going to say that is because sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes messages can get lost in inboxes. And here, when you ask the question here, granted, if it's a personal question, ask me directly. But if you ask the question here, then people can benefit from their answer as well. Because I can guarantee you, if, you've, if you're asking a question, either somebody else is thinking it or somebody else would have asked it before. And we can keep it in the community and keep people growing and pushing forward in their own paths to their own adventures, which is fantastic. So... Um, today is going to be fed by your questions, so any questions that we have in the comments box, please do put them along, because I will see them at the bottom here, and I will ask them as we go through. Hello, Tony, welcome. Um, for the majority of this video, while people are catching it up on, uh, catching up later on the recording, I know that there are other people going off doing running clubs and things tonight, um, what... I'm going to do here, hello Charlie, uh, what I'm going to do here is focus on recovery element because I've had a couple of questions now about recovery and busyness and I'm going to explain that very shortly. What I am going to do is because this light is obscenely bright, I'm going to turn it down a little bit, there we go, I'm not blinding myself now, it feels like I'm being interrogated. Now then team, so I hope everyone's having a fantastic week, I hope everyone is having a productive week and we are smashing training. So for those who are on the call, give me a quick pulse check as to how your training is going. One is it's going, ah, I need some help. Five, it couldn't be going better. You're absolutely firing away. So put those numbers down in the comments below and let's see where we're at as a bit of a pulse check so far. As we go through this week, you're all going to be progressing. You're all pushing yourself forward towards the weekend for your training. We're going to have long training sessions um, later on in the week, wherever we can find them. What we need to focus on today is our recovery. Question first one that we've had come in. When we're looking at recovery, a lot of people feel guilty for not doing anything on a recovery day. Now, yes, good news, Tony. I love to hear that. Five firing on all cylinders, which is fantastic work. Um, when we look at our recovery, we need to remember that our recovery is a very, very fundamental part of our training. We can't just train every single day, all the time, without any form of drop in progress. The, 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 the equation goes stress plus rest equals growth, right? We need to understand what rest means. We need to understand how to rest. We need to understand when to rest. Now, rest is not a recovery run. That's a recovery run. Rest is not an easier session because that's an easier session. Rest is not active recovery because that's active recovery. Rest is actual rest, i.e. time off. Now, I might be teaching you to suck eggs here, but what I can guarantee, because I have been there myself, is that you'll probably find yourself in the same situation of, got a bit of a day off today. And you're kind of twiddling your thumbs and you're trying to figure out what to do. And you're like, I should be running because I'm training for running. Now, there are many athletes, and I can't quite remember her name, where the quote comes from. It's lost me now. No, it's gone. Anyway, um, 
she's a fantastic American ultra distance runner and she Courtney Courtney DeWalter Courtney DeWalter Claire you will you will know tell me if you know um, I'm pretty sure it's her anyway and she says the quote that the training was actually the easy part the recovery, the rest, taking time off, that's the hard part. Because we're all high-achieving, adventurous athletes. We're all trying to get out there and do new things, right? And sometimes it can feel like we just need to go, 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 go all the time. When it's quite the opposite. We need to go when we need to go. We need to stop when we need to stop. And the courage that it takes to stop, to buy into the process of having to have that time off, that's a difficult thing. In all of your programs, I will give you a certain amount of training sessions per week. There will never be seven training sessions per week, i.e. one every single day, because you need to have recovery. You need to recover. When we look at those recovery sessions, I don't really want you to be doing anything else other than maybe getting 10,000 steps in. Because if you go for a walk, that's great. You know, active recovery in terms of going for a bike ride instead of going for a run isn't really recovery that's that sorry isn't really full rest that's active recovery that's keeping your muscles working you know walking is pretty much the minimalist activity that we can do while still doing activity so getting a 10,000 steps in 12 and a half thousand steps in that's a good target for those days off and you need to be going into those days fully in the knowledge that you have worked hard all of those days up to this point and now is the time for you to rest because we get caught up in this in this social media and YouTube kind of mentality of I need to be working harder than the competition at all times, all the time, every time. But a lot of these people who are who are pushing themselves like pro athletes are not pro athletes. They've got jobs, they've got kids, they've got dogs, they've got things going on. And we need to understand that, you know, family time is exhausting. You know, I was with some friends this weekend. Yes, it was fantastic to just let my hair down, have a great time and shout music, I, I definitely wasn't singing, but shouting music at the top of my voice, you know, it was fantastic, but it was still exhausting. And when we go through, when we get to that point and we're taking that time off, you always feel better after. But family time can be exhausting. So, you know, I'm going to use you as an example here, Charlie, you know, driving up to, was it Durham University and then down to Windsor, I want to say, and then back home. In one day, was a monumental feat, which isn't rest or recovery. And I'm not saying that, Charlie, you've done anything wrong here. I'm saying this is the reality of life. You know, this is, this is what we need to do. And I'm going to jump on this now, Charlie, because you said a couple of questions in there now. You know, looking forward to the topic, feeling knackered and a bit fluey. First of all, we've got to realise that... Hello, Claire. First of all, we've got to realise that when we are... Fit, we're coming into flu season. We're coming into cold season. The seasons are changing. Kids are going to be like little festering little things or they've got all these illnesses and stuff and they're going to pass it on to everyone because that's what kids do thanks so much but we need to understand that actually there are going to be days where you're going to feel really really run down and I'm going to come into what to do in that sense later on in this call but when we are starting to feel that the first thing you need to do is just go right can I perform today if the answer is no you need to take a rest day if the answer is I can do something then we'll come on to um We'll come on to how to train in that sense later on in the call. If you've got a rest day coming up and you're just feeling a bit run down, then you need to not be planning 50 million things to do. We don't need to be busy on these days. You need to sit down and watch a bit of Netflix and eat some popcorn and just chill and eat some cheese because that's looking after ourselves. 
you know, Claire, you've put the pictures up of your of your legs after after surgery. You know, I know you're you're very on the pulse when it comes to your recovery, but you're also someone who will do an awful lot of activity. And, you know, you're quick to the pulse in my messages when you're sending me messages to say, look, I'm feeling a bit under the weather today, so I'm altering this training. Or I'm very exhausted today, so actually I'm going to push that training out of the way and have a rest day. And that rest day is spent reading or chilling or maybe going for a walk or going to a hipster coffee joint because you live in Winchester, you know, and it's full of hipster coffee joints. That's recovery. And I find the exact same thing running business, business, work, exercise, everything else. There are days where you just need to go to a coffee shop, sit down and chew the fat with the guy behind the coffee bar while you're drinking this hipster coffee that's cost you 17 quid and relax and just talk or just watch the world go by. People watch, read a book, not do emails, not do work, not drown yourself in social media, but properly recover. Now, when we look at that, I think I've hit the net. I think I've laboured the point of recovery is actual time off enough. How about biohacking recovery? Well, there's a lot of the things that we can do. Um, Claire, you've got one of these as well. I've got a, a Whoop band as well. Um, you know that tracks your recovery. You can get devices that track your recovery. You don't need them, but they are a useful tool. When it comes to how we can biohack our recovery, there are a multiple uh, multitude of different things that we can do. First and foremost is around the bookends of our exercise, making sure, making sure that we are recovering, making sure that we are warming up, making sure that we are cooling down, mobilizing, that sort of thing, either side of our, of our exercise, very good place to start. Why? Because we're just setting ourselves up for success. If you, if you go for a workout and you're like, right, I'm done, and then you just sit down, then your body's seizing up. You're not cooling down effectively. When we look at how to cool down with a lot of strength exercises, it's basically just going through the same, same as a warm up. You're going through the same motor patterns as that particular exercise. So let's say you've got a squat session, for example, and your warm up will be some squats with no weights, just going through that full range of motion, maybe going a little bit slower. You're sitting in the bottom of a squat, you're opening the knees, you're dropping the hips on either side, you're just opening things up, getting them used to work, uh, getting used to the work that's about to come. You're utilizing some mobility in your ankles. I realize I'm doing this and you can't see lower than here, so it looks weird. But um, as you're going through that, you're mobilizing and you're just going through range of motion. To cool down, do the exact same thing. If you've done a squat session, sit down a squat. Put your arms above your head, open up the chest, open up the back, open up the arms and just sit there and be like, okay, yeah, I am feeling a bit stiff, but this is okay. You know, because you're stretching things out, you're pulling things out and you're resetting your body back into position. And when you are looking at that particular element of exercise, then great. With a run, walk to cool down. Cool yourself down. Don't just go to a run, get in the car and go home or go for a run, jump in the shower and go to work and sit down all day. Have some time factor that time in. That's why on your running sessions, I'll put a cool down on there. I'll put your five or 10 minutes uh, walk cool down, something like that, so that you have that facility to be able to do so. Now that's acute around the exercise itself and how we can recover. What we can also do is factor in some stretching and mobility sessions into our week. You do not need to spend hours on this at all, but getting into doing you know five minutes of it every day before bed is a really good little practice to get into. You know, getting up in the morning and flicking the kettle on and sitting in the bottom of a squat with your arms above your head or just putting your arms above your head and opening up the shoulders and feeling feeling how the back's moving and how the core feels and how the hips, hips feel just while the kettle's boiling in the morning 
is a fantastic way of just emphasizing your recovery, your mobility, and your body's ability to work while just utilizing time, your, your hacking time. In the evening, going through a full flow of various mobility, if you go onto your exercise library, you'll see a bunch of different exercises, a bunch of different uh, mobility routines, and all these different things that you can do that are going to help you in your recovery. Now, on that, if you've done, let's say, a squat, so I'm going to keep with the... Um, I'm going to keep with the um, squat session in, in mind for this example. If you do a squat session yesterday, for example, and today or the end of today, you're starting to feel a little bit stiff. Tomorrow, you'll definitely feel stiff. DOMS will always be 48 hours. DOMS is delayed onset, delayed, sorry, onset muscle soreness. Um, it's always delayed. You'll work a muscle and then uh, 24 hours later, you'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. I didn't really feel like I worked that hard, but that's OK. And then 48 hours later, you can't walk downstairs. So that's delayed onset muscle soreness. You will always have that if you've pushed yourself in a session. And the absolute best remedy for that is movement. Going for an easy jog, moving your legs, going into a stretching, uh, stretching class or a Pilates class or, or being able to do it into a bit of a flow in the back garden. Something to move. People will always just sit and immobilize themselves until the pain stops. And that will definitely, categorically, 100% elongate that process of pain. And that's not what we want. So I've got a couple of questions here, so I'm going to jump on those just now. Uh, sorry, finger. <laughs> Lots of hipster coffee chat like that. Does a running warm-up work? Um, does, oops, does starting and finishing slow do the same thing? Um, so on the exercise library, there is actually a full running warm-up to do uh, that is optimal for getting you started for runs. If you're going out for a long, slow run, then yes, you can just about get away with just going into that run. But you've got to bear in mind that if you're just going into that run, you're just using that specific range of motion for that warm-up. So the whole idea of a warm-up is to emphasize a range of motion, to open joints, to move around past that which you will be expected to use in the exercise to ensure that your body is limber and ready to rock and roll. So there are pros and cons to doing a running warm-up. Yes, you can get away with it, but optimally you want to be going through a full range of motion. If you're going to do a run and you want to do it on the run and you want to do it quickly, Charlie, you're the definition of trying to do things quickly, then getting your... Can I do that? Uh, let me see if I can... This is going to absolutely fail. I um, apologise in advance. But trying to get your knees up nice and high, which you can't see because I'm not far enough away from the screen. But getting your knees up nice and high so you're emphasising opening up the glutes, bringing your heels up to the glutes again so that you're um, really pulling out the front of the legs, the quads. And then going through a motion where you are sweeping down the leg in a deadlift position with one foot in front of the other. So you, you're, you're essentially in a walking pace. You've got a straight leg to the front, slightly bent leg to the back and you're sliding your hands down your front leg all the way down to the ground until you feel the stretch in the hamstring and then coming back up to the sky again. And doing that five or six times on each side, that's gonna help open up the legs. I've just turned the light off, sorry sorry about that folks. Never mind, we'll go without. Um, and that's going to help open up range of motion for that particular run. So yes, running workout, it does work. Is it optimal? Not really. And it's not optimal because we're not utilising full range of motion for our joints, ensuring maximum capacity and maximum uh, readiness for work. So I hope that answers that question. I do five minutes of easy stretching every morning. Awesome. Nice one. That's really, really good stuff. So if you are looking for a... Oh, there we go. We're back in the room. If you are looking for a running warm-up, 
then absolutely go through it and utilize it. What that particular running workout, uh, running warm up is going to do on the exercise library is put a bit of plyometric work. So that's basically jumping, explosive movement work, getting the, <clears throat> forcing the muscles to be firing on all cylinders, making sure that they're working otherwise, um, going through full range of motion, but also going through stability. So you'll notice if you do the um, running warm up, you'll do squats. And then you'll do slightly offset squats with one foot to the front and then offset with one foot to the back. And all that's doing is just getting your joints ready for what is always going to come on a run. And that is a non-uniform movement. We don't run like a rabbit jumping up and down. We run with one foot in front of the other. Sometimes you're on trails and you have to go in a different direction or you've got one foot higher than the other. And the hips are going to be moving all over the place. So doing squats where you have both feet together like so. And then maybe one foot to the front, one foot to the back. Same on the other side. What that's doing is opening up and just moving the hips through full range of motion in order to ensure that you are ready to rock and roll. And what that will definitely, definitely, definitely do is help reduce the effect of soreness after that run because you are adequately limber. It's a bit like warming up a car before you then go for a race. Formula One cars don't start when they start on the start line. They don't start with a cold engine. They sit there, they rev it, they move everything. They get the tires heated up. Everything is ready to go. You are primed. And that is what a warm-up does. This is going to aid in your recovery. Because after that, yes, 100%, you've been for a long run, walk for a bit to finish off. You know, if you know that your run's going to finish in 300 meters over there, then stop, <sighs> breathe, put your hands on your head, open up your chest, open everything up and just walk it in. Walk it in for that last 300 meters and you're cooling yourself down. You can do a bit of static stretching, but we've got evidence to suggest that static stretching doesn't actually do anything apart from it's quite good to lower your heart rate. Because most people will do a static stretch and they'll hold their leg and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm losing balance. And they'll hold it for five seconds and they'll do the other side. And that's just categorically not doing anything. It's a placebo. Um, if you're doing static stretching, then something like Pilates, yoga, or even the stretching that happens when you are lifting heavy barbells, i.e. in a deadlift or in a squat, because you are opening up full range of motion. Because they take quite a long time to go through those movements, they are more useful to your overall mobility. But before we all end this call and go away and start holding stretches for three, four, five, six, seven minutes, you need to remember one thing. And I don't have one around me, so I'm going to try and utilize this analogy with my hands. If you have an elastic band and we're pulling the elastic band, what happens? We pull, bang, it pings back again. Pull, bang, pings back again. If I grab the, the, the elastic band and I hold it like this for the rest of the call, by the end of this call, the elastic band's not going to come back as far. That potential energy has been lost and it's extended the elastic out and it means that it's got a little bit more floppy. And that is what happens to muscle fibers. Muscle fibers are designed to go snap, bang, real fast, aggressive movement to ping, get that range of motion through and then go on to the next movement. A run is essentially successive jumps, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and your muscles are working, 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 working. They're not designed to work really slowly because they don't do that. Yes, you have fast and slow twitches uh, in terms of different types of muscle fiber, but they are always fast, aggressive movements. If we take that, mo mo that, um, if we take that muscle, that, those muscle fibers, and we pull them out and pull them out and pull them out and pull them out and hold them out, then guess what? Some of the elasticity is lost and some of that kinetic energy is lost and then you get longer muscles which are not then particularly great for running, which is why if you have like a ballet dancer or a gymnast, they don't usually make good runners or they make more injury-prone runners because they have got overstretched muscles. Now then, in terms of other 
methods of biohacking. I am a very, 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 very large advocate of cold water. Cold water does amazing things in the body. There is a, a, an instant release in the brain of oxytocin, of endorphins, and of dopamine. What those three chemicals are, they are pleasure and activity and reaction chemicals in the brain. And what that means is, yes, you get into a cold shower and it's absolutely Baltically cold, or you get into some cold water and it's absolutely Baltically cold, then yes, it's pretty unpleasant. But here's a fun thing. The body doesn't react to the actual temperature itself. It reacts to the change in temperature, which is why a cold shower is so much harder than plunging into a cold bath or a cold lake or a cold river or whatever, because the water's moving. River's a bad example because water, water's always moving in a river, so it'll always be colder than a lake. But because you get into a cold shower, it's like a constant onslaught. You know what people say when you jump into a lake and they're like, oh, it's all right once you're in. And you're like, yeah, you, you are lying. It, it is because the body's got over that instant shock of, oh my God, change of temperature. Oh, okay, we're at this temperature now. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm cold and I'm shaking, but I can, I can manage this. Whereas if you go under a waterfall or under a shower, you are Baltic for a very long time because the water is constantly moving. So it's constantly stimulating your nerves over and over and over and over again. It's the different, it's the, sorry, the change in temperature going from warm to cold that the body dislikes, not the temperature itself. You know, when people are kind of going into the sea in the summer and it's absolutely freezing and they're kind of towing their way in and it's slowly coming up the body. All they're doing is torturing themselves. Whereas if you get to the point where you can just go into the water immediately and not gasp and drown, but keep your head above the water, if you can keep that and control that, then your body will react to that temperature a lot better. And what that's also doing is it's immediately taking all the blood from the muscles and going, oh, this is really cold. Because all the muscles, all the, all the blood is going from extremities, from your limbs and appendages, going into the core, the important bit. It's protecting the brain and it's protecting the vital organs. And as an interest piece, when you get hypothermic, it's when the blood starts to go from the brain, which is why things around here start to go blue. And that's where it gets dangerous. But that doesn't happen um, for quite a lot. It's not going to happen in a shower, put it that way. So water comes in to protect the vital organs, and then it's like, oh, okay. And then when you get out and you feel like you're on fire, all that blood is then gushing out to the appendages again. And what it's doing is it's taking all the waste, lactic acid and other chemicals that you've got when you've gone through extreme exercise to create muscle damage. It's taking it all away. When it takes it all away, it washes it through and it puts it through the cycle and it's gone. The important thing to know is it's gone from the point in which it hurts. What that means is the chemical... Uh, imbalance in your body which creates pain not all the pain but some of the pain that is then relieved because pain muscle soreness isn't always muscle damage when you go if you go off for an all-out sprint and you're going as fast as you can and it's burning everything is burning that's not muscle damage that is a chemical imbalance and something called lactate coming into the muscles that is not removing itself through the aerobic system, through the use of oxygen. So what that means is it's sitting there and it's acidic and it's burning the muscles. That is muscle burn. Then you have something called muscle damage, which is micro tears in the muscles. You get, if you do a bicep curl, for example, and you're doing it over and over and over again, and you get really painful biceps two days later, that's the, re that's the recovery from muscle damage. So what cold water is doing is it's taking all of that waste produce out and then recycling it back into the body where it can be dealt with later on and it's out of the painful area. And then all we need to do is deal with the muscle damage if there is any at all. But cold water really, really helps with recovery. 
It helps up here because you have to control yourself. You are never more mindful than when you are freezing your feet off. So you are 100% present in the mind. It focuses your mind. It's good. It focuses your breathing. You have to concentrate. You have to calm yourself down. You have to take five minutes out of your day in order to deal with it. And that is a very, very powerful thing to have. And that's something I strongly recommend you do. Even just having a cold shower in the morning, I can't tell you how much more electric your day feels. I, have, I get up pretty early at the moment uh, because I've got a lot of stuff I need to get done. And one of the first things I'll do in the morning is I'll put my coffee on, most important thing, and then I'm going to have a cold shower while the coffee's brewing. And yeah, it's pretty unpleasant at the time and you're kind of like, oh, it's a bit, you have to then control yourself. But then after you get out, you are warm, tingling, and you feel genuinely fantastic. And I'm not just saying that because I'm some crazy sadistic coach. I'm saying that because it really does feel fantastic. That's going to help your recovery. What about other ways of biohacking our recovery? Well, Tony, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, recovery drinks, protein. When we look at protein, protein and recovery are two things that go together like bricks and cement, right? You will go through muscle strain in a workout and that muscle will have micro tears and bits of damage going on in it because that's what happens when you grow and develop muscles. In order to recover from that, you need to replace it with something that builds muscle and that is protein. Every single cell in the human body has protein in it and protein is the rebuilding glue, if you like, for fixing muscle damage. Now, a lot of people might have heard the bit more bro science. Um, sorry, what about getting very hot and then having... I'll come back to that, Charlie. Uh, a lot of you might have heard the bro science approach of, you know, you got to get your protein, man. Three minutes after training, 30 minutes after training, one hour after training. Listen to me, man, because I'm swole. And you've probably heard it. You've probably seen it. I'm not over-exaggerating this. And I'll tell you something. There, it's all a load of rubbish. And the reason it's a load of rubbish is not just because I'm just playing it off. The science behind trying to maximize something called a muscle protein synthesis window, muscles, protein, what it's made of, synthesis, creation, window, time period, muscle protein synthesis window. Bodybuilders will maximize this to the second. Why? Because they are trying to elicit maximum bodily growth in the shortest period of time and they are most likely training one, two, maybe even three times per day. For the average ordinary person trying to do extraordinary things like all of you here, getting some protein within three hours of post-training is enough because your muscle protein synthesis window will start to dip after three hours and the effect of protein post-exercise is less uh, potent. So Obviously, it's more potent the closer to the workout. Fantastic. But what if you've got to go home from the gym? What if you don't have protein immediately as you're taking your trainers off? That doesn't matter. Most people, like you, Tony, in rainy Scotland, will want to go home and have a shower and then have something to recover because you don't want to be walking around the kitchen wet and dripping and covered in midges. You want to go and have a shower, feel more human, and then have some recovery. Your recovery doesn't need to be a whey protein shake at all. It could be a tuna mayo sandwich. It could be some seitan and tofu. It could be any food that is high in protein that you enjoy to eat. Now, when you are trying to find the right foods, you need to understand the amount of protein you need to get. And to put this very simply, if you have one portion of protein that gets to about 30 grams of protein, that's enough. Now, that could be four eggs and some chicken, or maybe three eggs scrambled and some chicken on toast. That could be a tin of tuna with 
a protein bar, because you need a little bit more than a tin of tuna, and two whole meal um, slices of bread. That could be 100 grams of tofu. Yeah, 100 grams of tofu with some edamame and some egg noodles. That's about 30 grams of protein. Uh, about a nest of egg noodles, that is. You know, this doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't have to eat an all-you-can-eat buffet. It could be a protein shake. One scoop, bosh, there you go. Scoop and a half, maybe, depending on your brand. Always look at the back of the pack to see how much protein's actually in a scoop, because some are less than others. You know, it could just be that. If you find that convenient, fantastic, great, perfect, awesome. If it's dinner and it's, you know, a pork chop with mash and peas, fine, brilliant, that's enough. And it's within three hours of your workout, fine. If you're doing an evening session and you don't want to come in and chug a protein shake because you're having dinner in an hour, then have dinner in an hour. You don't need to have double protein. If you know that dinner has got plenty of protein, you're fine. Recovery, we don't need to over-exaggerate. What we do need to do is make sure that we're ticking all the boxes. Are you cooling? Are you warming up and cooling down from your exercise? Take the time to do that. Yes. Are you, is it just me or are chicken omelettes morally weird? Chicken omelettes, if you put Cajun spice in the chicken, it's banging. Um, are, yeah, are you warming up and cooling down from your workouts? Yes or no? Good. Are you having some form of protein within three hours? About 30 grams of protein within three hours of finishing exercise? Yes or no? Are you getting some cold water or investing in yourself to take time out for recovery? Yes or no? Are you then going home and relaxing after you've done all this and experimenting with your range of motion, sitting in the bottom of a, uh, in a bottom of a squat, doing a couple of really long, slow lunges, just holding these positions, logging onto your, onto your base camp exercise library and looking at the recovery section to look at what we need to do. And there's going to be more guided videos on that because I want to do a guided flow for you that's going to take about five to ten minutes that you can just follow along with me and you can play the video over and over and over again and that can be your daily flow to do. A bit more of investment in our recovery. Because the only thing that's really left over now is hydration. And that will be one thing that will trip every single person that I know that I've ever coached will trip them up. We'll get home from a long run and we just don't drink enough water. You might have a cup of tea or maybe a hot chocolate or something with dinner, but you definitely won't drink enough water. If you're not cutting around with a nice big bottle full of water and you're drinking a good, solid two to three, three litres really per day of water, you're not drinking enough. And that's not me saying you're not good enough. That's me saying you haven't experienced the beauty of being hydrated. That sounds so lame, doesn't it? But honestly, when you are fully hydrated, your face looks clearer, your skin has a better complexion, you, you think more clearly, you can talk more loudly and gesticulate on video, like me for example, because I'm fantastically hydrated right now. You will sleep better, you will think better, you will feel better, just by drinking water. The simplest thing that you could change right now is just drinking some water, honestly. And that is going to improve your um, recovery. Why? Because if you think of the viscosity, the thickness of blood, the more of this you drink, the more of this that's in your blood. So the thinner your blood, right? The less of this you drink, the less water's in your blood because you've expired it out through exercise or just not drinking and, you know, peeing and the rest of the, thing, the things that happen with life. Then the thicker your blood is going to be. The thicker your blood is going to be, the more effort this thing has to go through to pump it around the body. The more effort it takes for blood to go through capillaries, which is why you get a headache. All of that strain, that is usually from dehydration. 
doing a, I've been drinking a pint of water with creatine first thing. Awesome. Great. Yeah, creatine. Let's talk about creatine. You know, if you're going to take creatine, please bear in mind, I've had some people that have um, taken creatine and they've taken it with beta-amyline and citrulline, which are two neurotransmitters, things to really get you going pre-workout. Don't have those before bed. Creatine, just on its own, creatine monohydrate, no other ingredients in your pack, then great. If you want to maximize the absolute maximize the benefit of that creatine, then take it post-workout. I'm going to caveat that by saying you don't have to change your life, Charlie, if you're doing it first thing in the morning and it's a good habit for you. Because there are marginal gains to be having creatine post-exercise because we don't have a recommended science-based window for creatine because there doesn't need to be one. But if you are searching for marginal gains, there is a help for having that um, post-exercise. And I have a feeling I've missed a question, so bear with me, folks. I'm just going to... Okay, what about help during exercise consuming enough carbs? Very, very simple. If you're training under one and a half hours, under 90 minutes, you do not need anything apart from a little bit of water. I would suggest if you're going out for an hour and a half, you're drinking about 500 ml of water. Uh, anything over that, then you want to have 40 to 60 grams of carbohydrates every 40 to 60 minutes, which is my golden rule for carbohydrate ingestion for long runs. Anything over 90 minutes, and you know if you're going to be running over 90 minutes, from minute zero, every 40 to 60 minutes, have 40 to 60 grams of carbohydrates. And I'm putting together some resources this evening, actually, for you about what that looks like. But as a rule of thumb, 40, uh, let me get this right now, 40 grams of carbohydrates is five jelly babies. It's a couple of dates. It's maybe a gel, if you want to use gel, it's entirely up to you. Uh, energy bar, if you want to use energy bar, it's entirely up to you. I've got a couple of recommended brands for sure that work better than others, uh, which I know Claire will be able to uh, chime in for because she's used them and I, I, I'm pretty sure she likes them because she's used them again. So anything under 90 minutes, you don't need to. Over 90 minutes, take something to eat every 40 to 60 minutes. 40 to 60 grams of carbs every 40 to 60 minutes. Uh, oh yes, sorry Charlie. What about getting very cold and then very having very hot showers? There's some interesting, they're not studies, people who have said about alternate showering. At the end of the day, you're stimulating circulation around your body. In the world according to Ben, and from the research that I have read on cold water immersion solely, then just cold water is going to be enough to stimulate your circulation enough to gain the benefits that come with cold water. The benefit of cold water is it forces your body to have to control itself. Now, you can have a shower like a normal person with warm water and then end it, start a three minute timer and be in cold water for three minutes. And that'll take, I'll feel like the longest three minutes of your entire life. And that's gonna give you enough of a benefit from that cold water therapy. Or you can do what I do, which is, I have a pot, normal person shower in the evening and then every morning I have a cold shower and that starts cold and ends cold so there's no warm at all. And that's getting the benefit of that, waking up, feeling good, feeling fresh, feeling fantastic, ready for the day. And then in the evening, obviously you don't want to be stimulating your brain before you go to bed. You want to have a hot shower because that's going to help um, promote the stimulation of serotonin and melatonin, which is going to help you sleep better. So... Splitting hairs by going hot and cold showers alternate. I would personally just have a normal shower and then finish on cold for two to three minutes. Have I missed anything else? Let me just scroll through the questions. If you've got any more questions, folks, chuck them straight in the comments. I'm really enjoying this. We've got quite a few to get through, so I'm just going to make sure 
I have covered them all. I think I'm about there. Sorry, you've got my thumb. Can't run faster as blood sugar drops overnight. Menopause stuff. What do you guys, uh, which you guys don't have, I guess. Um, yeah, I've got your link about mixed hydration. At the end of the day, if you're sharing a hydration brand, it's likely going to have the following con uh, constituent parts. Some sort of electrolyte. So potassium, calcium, magnesium, sodium. It's going to have one of those four or a combination of those four at some point in it. In addition, it's probably going to have some glucose in it. The glucose in it is going to be, A, to stimulate hydration, because glucose will help aid hydration and rehydration, but also to put in extra carbohydrates into that, into that drink. There are loads of companies that do them. They're not selling anything overly special. However, it's helping you gain um, intra-exercise carbohydrates. You won't need them for every, every single thing. Like I said, under 90 minutes, you don't need anything. Just take water, be fine. Um, and then make sure you're rehydrating and having some carbohydrates before and after. For intra-workout, if you want to go for fluid-based carbohydrate drinks, there's a bunch of different brands that, 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 that you are welcome to try. But I'd be mindful as to how they react to your digestive system when you are trying them. Because a lot of these things are loaded with... Um, Artificial sweeteners, which to some extent can stimulate IBS. Maltodextrin, which I'm currently writing an article about. Maltodextrin will trigger um, IBS symptoms and make you feel a little bit unpleasant. Um, so the large majority of people, actually, it's actually the minority of people that don't have del deleterious effects uh, in their digestive system from maltodextrin, which is why it's so annoying that most, um, most sports nutrition brands will use maltodextrin. It's cheap and they're boring and they're not being overly honest to the consumer. But, like, like Tony's just said there, you can make your own electrolyte drink. So you can get some water, you can squeeze some lemons into it, you can put a pinch of salt in there, you can put some Ribena in there, full sugar Ribena, whatever, pinch of salt, that's all going to help as part of getting some, some carbohydrates into your diet, but also getting the electrolytes. Now, my strategy that I use is, if I go out for a run and I've got my vest on or I've got a couple of bottles or I've got a bottle or whatever it is then I would always have one with fresh water in because you will get taste fatigue and just being bored of tasting sweet stuff and then one with like a strong electrolyte drink in. I don't tend to bother with glucose or carbohydrates in liquid. I tend to have those in some form of snack be it a gel form or a soft form or a bar form or whatever form uh, like the raw velo ones that Claire's just said and because of that that means that you're sparing up the hydration to rehydrate exactly what it's supposed to do. It's there to rehydrate. Let's not, let's not muddy the waters, as it were, by mixing loads of things together. Because the last thing I want you to do is get bored of drinking things, because drinking is more important than carbohydrates for what we're all trying to achieve here, which is long distance. So I hope that answers that question. Um, I've missed a couple here, so give me two seconds. I benefit from high body fat. Um... Yeah, but Charlie, you're training for 150 kilometers. 150 kilometers in 24 hours, starting at midnight, dressed in an orange boiler suit, escaping a prison. That needs a store of fat to burn. 
because I can 100% wholeheartedly with 100% certainty say that you will not eat carbohydrates 24 hours. You just won't. You will not eat 40 to 60 grams of carbohydrates every 40 to 60 minutes for 24 hours because you'll just stop eating because you just won't be able to. Your body will be using its own fat stores. You will be using all of those, um, all of that potential energy and that potential fuel on that thing because you're going for an awful long, uh, awful long way for an awful long time. So you're going to be using that, which is great. Perfect. Uh, can't run fasted as blood sugar drops overnight, menopause stuff, which you guys don't have. Look, menopause is a really important thing, but also so is blood sugar fluctuations. Running fasted, you know, we don't need to be doing it unless we just don't want to eat before we run. But for you, Claire, you know, you obviously have to. So having something like a gel or a bar or something, bowl of cereal, whatever it is, before you run, that's going to spike that blood sugar, get it back online, and you're good to go again because you're going to be more insulin sensitive now being menopausal. So this is something that we all need to be bearing in mind because as much as men won't become menopausal, well, men in later life will absolutely be going through an increased height of insulin sensitivity because the body doesn't shut down in later life, but it just turns off switches that it doesn't need. It's a bit like flicking around the house, going to the electric board and being like, well, I don't actually need that switch on. I don't need that switch on and it's switching things off. So we need to just make sure that we are preparing for that. Have I missed any other questions mixed up? Oh, sorry. So, oh, sorry. so that's where it came from. Post run, I run faster to save time early AM. Drink a pint of water with creatine first thing. Um, yeah, okay. So Charlie, running faster first time. Again, if it works for you, wholeheartedly go for it. There are some people that doesn't work for them and they don't have to. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it is an interesting tool. I do the same thing. Sometimes there are sometimes I wake up in the morning and there's no point talking to me until I've eaten. Other times I can get away with not eating and we can go out for a run, both of which are completely fine, especially if you are going on a long, slow run. If you're going for a hard, fast, aggressive run, then I suggest eating something like a banana, something relatively high in carbohydrates, like an energy bar or just something that's going to spike some carbohydrates into your system so you've got something to burn if you're doing that first thing in the morning. Because high-intensity exercise and fasted training do not work because you will only use whatever glycogen store you've got left. And if it's a very hard and a very long um, and energy-expensive session, high-intensity session, then you'll just run out of energy stores because you've only got so much carbohydrates in your body. At high intensity, your body has to use carbohydrates and nothing else. Yes, there'll be a little bit of a mixture of fat in there as well, but it'll get to the point where you're working at such an intensity that fat just doesn't burn. It has to use carbohydrates. And that's what hitting the wall is in a, um, in a marathon. When everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hit the wall at mile 18. Well, at mile 18, they've taken 18 miles to burn the best part of 2,500 calories of, of carbohydrates because they're going really hard and they're maybe not as trained and they're just really, really pushing themselves. They've burnt all that carbohydrates because they're not burning fat because they're working at an intensity that's too high for fat burning. And they bonk out, they hit the wall, they go delirious, they start seeing things, they go really pale because they've just run out of carbohydrates. What those people need is either a little bit more training pre-race or getting extra carbohydrates in or a combination of the two. But nine times out of 10, plenty of carbs, plenty of energy and a more efficient nutrition strategy gets you think, through things like that, which is why high intensity stuff on a low carbohydrate availability or um, fasted state, not a good idea. Long, slow, fine, that will work. The actual science behind going long and slow in your runs on a fasted state will actually make your body better at utilizing fat as fuel. 
please note the specific difference. Utilizing fat as fuel is not the same as burning body fat. You are using a different substrate, a different type of fuel more efficiently. Like a car that can have pro uh, protein, a car that can have petrol in it, and a car that can have diesel in it. All you're doing is switching off the petrol, so the, the car's just getting better at using diesel, so that when you do switch on the petrol again, it's going to be more efficient and more effective. Does that make sense? Have I missed any other questions? Oh, yes, quite a few. Right, okay. Ah, uh, oh, yes, mini chai charge bars. I love them. I love them so much. They're so good. Uh, high five in the mix of sugars to use both pathways and then coke in water for unsupported ultra. Top up. I'm just trying to figure out what that says. Use high five with a mix of sugars to use both pathways. When we say using both pathways, that's probably going to be using fructose and um, fructose and glucose. Again, your body will take more carbohydrates per hour if you have a mixture of glucose and fructose, which is great. Um, and Coke in water for unsupported ultra corner shop top up. Right, got it. So full sugar Coke um, to help get more sugar in when you are stopping at the spa. Yes, fine. Um, love charge charge bars. Yes, they're so good. Throw a banana if I do a back-to-back -back session. When I'm running in the mountains, I'm out there for three to four hours. find it hard to consume carbs constantly. Yes, when you're coming on to longer endurance sessions, which I feel is going to be a call in its own, uh, but is also a little bit of a resource in your coaching book. When you're looking at super long distances like that and we're going for a very long time, then that's where we're going to mix things up because the idea is, first of all, what you're defining there is taste fatigue. You just can't eat sweet things or carby things constantly because you just get bored of them. But also the necessity to switch things up with adding some fat in there. Peanut butter bars, for example, and a chai charge bar and something savoury. What you're doing is you're mixing things around so that your body's getting all the fuels. If it's petrol and diesel, it's using petrol and diesel at the same time. Because for those three to four hours that you're in the mountains, you will not only use one thing at the same time. You'll use both, a combination of fuels. So just making sure that you're getting both those combinations of fuels in. That's the, that's the trick. That's the, that's, the, that's the sweet spot, as it were, uh, in finding our nutrition strategy. So utilizing both um, fat and carbohydrates but carbohydrates when the intensity is increasing and fat when you're maybe, I don't know, walking up a hill or you know, you're know you on a slower patch or, a, or, a, or an easier flat bit of ground that you can afford that time to slow down a little bit and, and ingest some fuel. Have we got any other questions? Not keen on gels, need to experiment with something that works. If you're not keen on gels, try the raw velo gels. Um, they're not artificial sugar based, they're rice syrup based. And they're actually really, really good. Um, I don't really promote any sports nutrition at all really um i've got a little bit of a nice agreement with raw velo which is quite nice and that's only because i like them and i think they work and i think it'll be worth a try um again i don't get paid for that so it's it's not i'm not doing it to sell i'm doing it to say i was pleasantly surprised when i first discovered the brand and they're rice syrup based which has less carbohydrates but it's a damn sight more palatable and easier on the digestive system uh, real food, three to four hours, peanut butter, Marmite pitters. Oh, Claire, that sounds gross. Um, <laughs> um, feed zone portables. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Happy days. Um, or also is um, sticky rice. So Team Sky, the cycling team for the Tour de France, they use sticky rice, peanut butter, honey and 
chocolate and then mix it together and stick it into a bar. That works really, really well, by the way. That's a very easy thing to eat. Um, on that, if you're an absolutely huge hipster, then mochi, um, Japanese rice cake, is very potent fuel because it's just rice that's just been milled together until it goes gelatinous, sticks together into a bar. It's unbelievably good for a good trail fuel that's very easy to eat. Uh, tried avocado sunnies, but they get really squashy. You've been reading too much of uh, um, Damien Hall. That's his thing. Uh, Charlie, people often forget the amount of water you need to drink when taking gels. Yes, for sure. You know, it's yes, it's an additional liquid to take in. But because it's kind of lubricating and coating your throat, it kind of it makes you want to drink more. What a few people have done that I've noticed before, where it's, um, ah, Rich Roll, rather. Oh, it's hummus, isn't it, that's Damien Hall. Um, what a lot of people tend to do is they'll dilute gels into a water bottle so that you're getting the best of both worlds. But that's essentially just making your own carbohydrate drink, which you can do. Um, ultimately, you want to have a couple of gels in your back pocket for an emergency and the rest of it coming from a whole food approach. Because for what you're trying to do, you're going to be eating like a normal human being for 95% of your day uh, and your life, in fact. The 5% of your day and your life that you're spending on that event, for example, that's the, that 5% needs to match up with the other 95. So we might as well try and train with what we're eating so that we can then have that crossover and the digestive system doesn't get unhappy. Make your own energy balls, oats and dates. Yes, 100%. Um, actually, Claire, I keep meaning to ask you to share that uh, recipe for your um, for your malt cake because it's absolutely banging. Um, but yeah, I've got a bunch of recipes for energy balls and they're fantastic. Not just saying that because they're mine, obviously, but they're really, really good. And I will put them in there as well because you can really, really get fancy with um, with the recipes and adding things in or taking things away or just keeping them as super simple as possible. When I was training to run the Cape Wrath Trail or I was training for, to run a big 231 mile run, which I'm actually revisiting next year, um, I, I had Christmas cake because my mum makes the best Christmas cake in the world. And that, that was so dense that it could be cut up into small cubes, kept in a pack and you could keep smashing it and that was useful. I had banana because banana worked. Yes, it does get a bit smushy, but I ended up having a couple of bananas in a banana tube thing in my back. And then that just got um, updated with the resupply or going to the shop. Uh, dates, dates were fantastic. Energy bars, energy gels to an extent. Yes, they all worked. These are all things that can add into your plethora of sports nutrition. Because this is where we take the guidebook and we rip it up. Because we need to make sure what works for you is something that you can implement. You know, you're not going to find in a guidebook Marmite and peanut butter pitters because that's crazy. But if it works for Claire, then that's awesome because that means that Claire has become her own sports scientist and understands what's, what works. You know, if you're going to try and go for avocado, then yeah, great, you're going for fat. The only disadvantage to avocado is it's quite high fibre and high fibre means it's going to stimulate the gut. If it's going to stimulate the gut, then you're going to be maybe going for a trip to the bushes. Ella's pouches, baby food. Yeah, another one. I used to use those in the army, actually, for tamming. You know, apple and strawberry. You're making um, apple gels and apple uh, sauces and stuff. And you can get, um, what's that sports brand? Goo. Goo, the sports brand. They do little silicon refillable gel pouches. So you can make your own. 
I've got 55,000 apples in my back garden, so I could send you all apples enough for the next 10 years, make it into apple sauce, add a little bit of sugar into there, and a bit of ginger maybe to, to ease gut transit, and you've got rocket fuel. Christ, if you, if you stew down some... Uh, I'm really going off on one here now, aren't I? If you stew down some dates into that as well, you're making an extremely potent rocket fuel because dates are like nothing else. They're brilliant when it comes to trail, trail fuel. In fact, I cycled all the way around Iceland, mainly on dates, because weirdly dates were the cheapest things that I could buy in, in Iceland. Don't know why, but there we go. Bell peppers, really expensive. Dates, not so. There we go. Very, very, very good fuel source. So these are all things that we can use. So we've kind of gone off recovery a little bit and gone on to sports nutrition, which is fantastic. I absolutely love that. I love where these calls are going and I really appreciate everyone's questions and input here because this is brilliant. Because what we're doing is we're making this little thread now of all these things that people can refer back to. Um, oh, fantastic. Amazon do them as well. Brilliant. Could you find them, Charlie, and put a link up on, not necessarily on this call right now, but like in the page later, because that'd be really great to share with everybody. Um, Claire, recipe for malt bread, please. Um, you know, these are all fantastic things that we can share. And that's what makes this community absolutely freaking awesome. So I really appreciate everyone being here. I have absolutely no idea what the time is. And I'm afraid to touch my phone in case it ends the call. But has anybody got any other questions? Absolutely anything coaching and programming wise that I can help you with right now. Claire, your strategy is coming. I'm just finishing off a few little things for that. Um, please do. Recipe. Um, yours is coming yeah, and be with you hopefully by the end of the week uh, I've got a few things I just need to add into there um, but again you're still recovering and I think it's quite wise to not give it you too soon because I don't want you to move into um, post recovery too soon um, Charlie I hope your recovery is going at uh, your training sorry is going really really well I know that you're kind of feeling a little bit in a slump but you've got to remember this will happen this will this will happen you're going to, you're never going to have cloud nine. Every single, every single session is going to be absolutely amazing. What you're going to find is when you get to the point where it's like, oh my God, I'm tired. That is the most important time to follow through on that particular exercise. Whether you do the full exercise or whether you just go through the motions, most important critical time in your brain, because you tell yourself that I am the sort of person that does a workout, not the sort of person that goes, nah, sod it, I'll do it tomorrow. Because the, the, the absolute morbid thing of this is tomorrow might not happen. And also, why waste a day's training when you know that you could get out and you need to go out and do something? You don't need to go out and do your full 90-90 session. Just go out and do something. Go for a walk. But fill the habit of being... Of being? Fill the habit of exercising. Nearly lost my words there. Of exercising and doing something. GPX of the Alex. I'll do that tonight. Yes, absolutely. That's on my to-do list. Um, and I get that sent across. I think we're done. Are we done? I will try fueling these sessions, probably too high intensity, and then hitting the wall after the nine, 90 minutes. Uh, I'm just trying to think what that session is off the top of my head. Let me revisit your training program and just remind and revise myself. I can't think of it off the top of my head as to what that session is um, for how hard we get. Is that... Oh, you're testing my memory now. 90 minutes at six minutes per kilometre. If it is, then... When it comes to fueling, don't fuel it. If it's 90 minutes, it's 90 minutes. If it's over 90 minutes, then you need to start fueling earlier. If you find that you're really flagging towards that 90 minutes, start fueling earlier. So I say from, from minute zero, as soon as you hit 40 minutes, eat something. 
between 40 and 60 minutes, have 1460 grams of, of, of carbohydrates. If you find intuitively that you are getting to the point where it's like, okay, I'm starting to get tired slightly sooner, maybe the time that I'm eating fuel isn't working for me, bring it forward two hours at 6.30, thank you very much. So bring it forward a little bit. So if you're going out for two hours, try eating at 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes have 40-ish grams of carbohydrates and see that effect. Don't be afraid to make these rules as flexible as you like because that's the beauty of sports nutrition. What you're doing there, if you're fine for the first 70, brilliant. We know that you can run for 70 minutes before starting to get pretty tired at that particular pace. So let's fuel before we need it. Lewis Hamilton goes around the track over and over and over and over again, but he'll never run out of fuel. He will always strategically refuel with several litres left in his tank. So this is a strategic refuel. I don't want you to refuel at minute 70. I want you to try refueling at minute 30 and then at minute 60 and then at minute 90 and then drizz it till the end and then you recover after. So let's try that for the next one and see how you get on with that. All right, team, this is great. I'm absolutely loving this. Any other questions? Come on, hit me. What have we got? Any other questions? If not, I'll give you about 30 seconds and then we'll call it a day. I have no idea what time it is, but I'm probably going to guess it's about half eight, maybe. Have we been on here for an hour? I'm not sure. I don't know. It doesn't tell me. No, it doesn't tell me. Um, right, I've got no other questions. Let me just double check. Great. I think we're done, team. Thank you so much for being on here and being super attentive. I love the questions. I love people getting involved because that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to help you. And I want calls on Wednesdays and Fridays to take this kind of a format. Um, something low intensity to relieve my boredom. Claire, I will work on that for you uh, because we've got, to, uh, we've got to get your upper body moving a little bit more. But you need to recover first. You're in bandages, for goodness. In fact, no, you're out of bandages. But recover, recover, recover. The last thing we want to do is undo any of that work that recovery is doing. But you've got it. You've got it. You've got it. You've got it. Um, thank you very much for a great session. You are most welcome. Right, team. Thank you very much. I will see you on Friday. Friday is going to be a slight time change, um, simply because my um, timetable is all over the place for Friday. Um, so I'm going to put that up in the group tonight and let you know when I'm going to be available on Friday. Um, at the very worst, I will delay it till 4, 4 p.m. on Saturday. Um, only for this Friday only. It's just because it's a bit of a mess at the moment because I'm in Loughborough at the moment and I've got to get back and it's going to take... The timings aren't working for me at the moment. So I will let you know as soon as possible with a set plan that we can stick to and I'll see you on Friday or Saturday at some point, but I will definitely be here. Last one, team. Have a fantastic evening for the rest of it, however long that way that may be, and I will see you all next time. Fantastic. Nice one, team. See you later.